Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He's never told me that story. Uh, before I get too carried away, I'd like to introduce my guest here. This is Garth Richardson, uh, one of the people that I would list as a super producer. Um, you, you, you've recorded so many records that, that are on my CD rack right now, and it turns out some of my 80s vinyl um, we were just talking about. Uh, tell us a little bit about your dad. He had to play a big role in you getting into this whole business, yes? Okay, yeah. So my dad basically back in... 1969, I decided he was going to be an actual record producer. And so he used to work for this advertising agency. And he used to, uh, he was the guy that brought rock and roll to, to uh, actually Coca Cola. So hmm. bought out the, he actually bought out the Guess Who's contract. And then he didn't tell my mom, but he mortgaged his house to pay for these eyes. So he decided that he wanted to do that. He, he, and since the age of like five, five, I was always hanging out with him in the studio. So it's kind of like he was a major influence on me. And I got to watch some fantastic records, records being made and also being, also being a part of them too. So, so it stemmed that from the age of like about 12, I wanted to do this. Right, he's a major influence to where, like, I got to hang out with Alice Cooper, the Guess Who, Bob Seger. I got to watch the first Peter Gabriel record being made. So, wow, it was fun. Those are some big names you're dropping oh, well, there. I try. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you actually, I mean, if you if if someone goes to your website and goes through all the records you've worked on, there's a wide array. Very different. I mean, you're even credited on a Taylor Swift record for fuck's sake. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. I know. What, how involved do you like to get creatively in a project? Is that important to you? Well, you know what? You got to make sure that you have a singer that, that, that that's a star. You got to have somebody that you know that when you get your work done, you'll be able to get on stage, or she will get on stage and be able to actually, you know, actually, uh, actually, actually 
uh, uh, deliver it right so so mm-hmm. a part a part a part of it is understanding of the story because every record that you can be doing you want to make sure at the end game there's a huge story uh, um i'm talking to uh, to rem- no, Devin Townsend about doing about doing about doing about doing his next record. You're already beginning to talk about the story, right? So, so, so yeah. Also, just want to make sure that every time I do someone's record, I want to make sure that it doesn't sound like I did it. Yeah, that makes sense. It's interesting you say that. Uh, yeah, because I was asking if you had like a signature stamp or something. It sounds like you're saying no. You want to work on the project, not so much make it something it sounds like. like um, well, another Canadian who does have kind of signature guitar tones is Bob Rock. So you're kind of a, a different approach. Yeah, I'm kind of the Bob Rock. I love Bob Rock, and he's a phenomenal human being. But Bob, Bob has a sound, right? So, mm-hmm. so uh, 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 Bob Ezrin has a sound. Uh, Danny, Danny, you all has has a sound, right? So, so, so I don't like when you put on someone's record. Within the first be sixteen bars, you know who did it, right? I want the band to come out, not not okay. the producer. You know, if that makes sense. It does, and so it does seem like you prefer to kind of get somewhat creatively involved, so you understand the project. Then, yes, yes, yeah. Okay. Basically, I'll spend like a lot of time just talking and just understanding exactly who they are, exactly what they want to do. A lot of your early credits are listed as second engineer with a lot of '80s hair metal bands. I can run down a handful. Wanna- we talked about Keel just before we got on, but White Lion, Helix. Uh, Alice Cooper's 80s records? Wasp? <laughs> now, you know what has to happen? What's that? And Garth just walked away. I have no idea what's happening right now. Ah! <laughs> hey, we have to have this on. I'm going to have the hair on, right? Okay. You know, you know, it's See, thing, you right? kept so, your 80s hair. Yeah. I kind of <laughs> Um, well, so was that kind of like were you into that kind of music was that what you were drawn to initially or was it just because Helix is in Canada well you know what Helix was in Canada and happened to come to actually phase one where like I was walking out of and this wonderful human being called Michael Wagner showed up and uh, Michael was the king of the hair metal bands you know you know, he did Extreme, oh, yeah. Dream White Lion you know, uh, uh, she skid row. So I kind of got uh, pushed into that. I do like metal. I do like the whole sound of it. Um, um, I'm still, you know, I'm still like a Slayer fan. I'm still, you know, what yeah, that kind of metal I dig a lot. But but every record I actually did with Michael Wagner was, you know. Fun and there's a lot of hairspray and there's a lot of leather, right? So, you know, you know, you know, I got through it okay. Uh, well, uh, <clears throat> what about like the, the Bullet Boys records? Uh, you're involved in those too. Um, working with uh, what's his name? Uh, was that Ted Templeman? Yeah, well, well, what happened was I actually did the demos that got them signed because I was finding my feet. And Ted, mm-hmm. uh, Ted came along and heard it, went, This is great, thanks, Garth, bye bye, and I went. Okay. 
Oh, so you're listed on both records, though, so that you really didn't uh, uh, pull in or anything? No, they used a few of my stuff, and they used a few of my, basically, uh, things that, that we did. Actually copied it, right? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so the one song, Smooth Up In You, they basically uh, 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 they basically copied the version I did exactly. Right? So, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so that that was my shaping of the song. And Ted went, "It sounds great. We love it. We're going to do it." And you, you know, you know. And then they all showed up after they did that record. You had all like Corvettes and these fast cars. And then the next record, Stiff. Then they showed up and actually used used cars. Well, we were talking a little bit uh, off mic about Kiss. Yeah. Now you're listed as the, the mixing engineer in Kiss Alive Three. Is that the only thing you would have ever worked with them on? Yes. Yes. He asked me to do the next record after that, but my son had a shunt in his brain, and I had to be in the hospital for like a long time, and I couldn't. Well, another thing I wanted to ask you about: you, you produced the Encino Man soundtrack. Uh, now you're frozen. Again. Encino Man producing a soundtrack that seems like a, a much different or, ordeal than a record. Yeah, yeah, that was just uh, that was a band called called The Scream, and they were signed to actually Hollywood, and of course Hollywood put out the movie. So uh, they went, you guys should do the song. And they went, really? And then we did it. And, and of course, the song was okay. But uh, uh, was John Karabi, that scream? Yes, John Karabi. And then he and later on went to go sing with Motley Crue, which was kind of like, uh, what's his name? Who's uh, with Queen? It just was the wrong fit, you know? Yeah. You know, it's just Adam it's, Lambert you're talking about or yeah, Paul yeah. Rogers? No, Paul Rogers is a better singer. Adam Lambert is just not Queen. It doesn't, you know what? They could have found someone else, but I get it. Right? Yeah, whatever. Um, Red Hot Chili Peppers. You worked on Mother's Milk. Uh, any stories from that? You know what? Just that was the first time that John and uh, uh, Chad uh, are in the band. Uh, 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 John is a de- definitely the musical soul of that band. The fact that mm-hmm. he's in the band now he is a great uh, Chad. He's a monster. You know, of course, Flea is a monster, and was Anthony. You know, just just amazingly cool, wonderful people. And uh, would you say the Rage Against the Machine record was that the kind of like your big break as far as how it was received and everything? I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, what was? Uh, could you tell when you were recording that? That was a very different type of record, and it and it came along at the perfect time as grunge was kind of trying to shift stuff away from kind of hair metal. Um, it just seemed like there was a lot of high testosterone early twenties men looking for something like this. You know what I mean? And uh, it it took off. Yeah, there was. It to that record is actually current now today, mm-hmm. even when the first day. Uh, 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 that we started, nobody is listening to you know actually Warren Cherry Pie going. I'm going to get angst to this record, right? So, so the fact that the Rage Against Machine record it's going to be 30 year uh, years old this year, and it's still current, it's still irrelevant, it's still it still actually speaks the truth, right? So so mm-hmm. you know what? It's sad that uh, I would have been on tour now, but because of COVID. You know what? He's been pushed back to twenty twenty one. I forgot they were one of the bands that had a big tour kind of lined up. I mean, everybody it seemed like did it this year, but uh, 
Um, but you also worked with one of our our, our show's favorites, uh, a guy who was instrumental in bringing this show together, Danko Jones. I love Danko Jones. Um, yeah, he's amazing. You know what? Uh, uh, I did their last record. Of course, he, you know, like we talked, we met, and we're, you know, you know, going through songs, and he's a real humble, amazing, you know, guy. And then I'm going, where the fuck is Danko? And then as soon as he began singing, I went, oh fuck, there he is, like, like, it's in front of the microphone. He's this incredible, incredible front man. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so I do hope that I get to do the next uh, next record because I do I do want to push them and actually get I get, 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 get that right record that, that that we all want to hear. Here, I think. Yeah, I'd, I'm all for it. That was that's one of their better records of recent history. Um, that a rock supreme. Cool. So. Um. Well, how about this? Uh, is is there a record that from your career that um? You think represents kind of you at your best, or even a handful of them. Like, what what do you look back on, and would would hand out to kids at Halloween? Here you go. Well, you know, I'm proud of the Chevelle record. I'm actually proud of actually Biffy Clyro. I just did a record with a band from Holland called actually Kensington. Um, it's called Time, and and those are good. Of course, I do have to say Rage because you, well, that one launched me. But uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's many. Uh, there's a band that I did called actually Blood Simple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That one's that one was fun. We had the best time in making that record because there's a lot of drinking, a lot of debauchery. <laughs> you know, you know, and that's what you know, you, you know, you know. How we, uh, I still talk to the, you know, to the guys, and it's you know, it was a blast. What about the opposite end? Is there one that you go, nope, don't even spin it, don't listen to this. Yeah, there's a few that you kind of go, oh, that's done, okay, you know what, I'll never have to play it again. But I won't say, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> you know, I can't do that. But there's some that are just like, eh. Okay. okay. Well, the the, 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 the the main reason I brought you on today was to talk about Melvin's Houdini. It is coming in at number, I think, 16 on uh, Rolling Stone's greatest grunge albums of all time. Fantastic. There is... A bunch of freaking production credits on here, but well, let's start with you. Um, how were you initially brought into the project? Well, basically, from what I understood from Buzz when he called me was uh, the fact that uh, 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 they did have Kirk O'Bain doing it, and then Kirk uh, kind of got busy with Nirvana and doing, you know, like doing all stuff. And I came in to do two songs with them off the floor, you know, from scratch. And then we had to go up to Sausalito, I think it was, and actually have it mixed, right? So it's like I got brought in at the tail end of it. Most of it was recorded. Then your your job was mainly as uh, mixing and engineering. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got to produce two two songs. Now you're given more production credit than that. Are you aware of that? Am I really? Oh shit. I'm thinking so. Let me just double check my thing. What's it say? Well, Teet and Teet and Hagme are the songs listed as as you producing. Yes. Yeah. And okay, so yeah, I'm sorry. On the actual CD, that is the only two. So. Yeah. Um, but you uh you ended up working as a, the the engineer on Honey Bucket, Lizzie, Going Blind. So you weren't you weren't in the studio at all when Kurt Cobain was there. No. No. No, yeah. I, after the fact. Uh, Buzz, Buzz has gone on the record saying that Cobain was kind of out of it at that point, and he really didn't contribute much. And that, um, and he, and he doesn't say this with any like, um, I don't know, venom. Like he he's happy to have had Cobain involved, but it was 
largely the record company really wanted to make sure his name was involved, you know, with this there being their first major label record. Yeah, that was like Danny Gold. So he really wanted him involved, I think, from what I heard from stories, but I could be lying. Or it's not true. I don't know. It, 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 I mean, you just cut out a little bit. You were saying that was Danny Goldberg's idea, right? Yeah, yeah. I think okay. so. All right. Could be wrong. Okay, you think so. Yeah, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Uh, it, it just kind of cut up a little bit there, and I, th- I thought it was a key point. Okay. Um, well, well, then, what, what was it like in the studio working with Buzz? I mean, one, they've come up – let me let me rephrase that. They've come up on this list a couple times. And right. even from their earliest recordings, one thing that kind of sticks out is that they've kind of d- dialed in their sound pretty early on, even with the really low-budget recordings. The, the drums and, and the guitar tone is very similar to what you end up getting with, with them – even with this uh, major label kind of budget. Um, well, you know what? We didn't really have... Yeah, well, I, got, I went on to do Stoner, Stoner Witch, and I got to do uh, uh, the next one. Oh, Hooch? Uh, Ho- yeah, Hooch. Yeah, yeah. Did- yeah, so like our budgets were small. They were really small for like a big record label deal. <laughs> uh, we spent on the two records, we spent 12 days in and out, mixed, finished. We basically would just show up and a buzz would say, okay, this song is like this. And we had three different drum, drum kits set up and we had one with a big gate system. Uh, we had another one with like eight vintage tube mics and then we had another one in a little room. So when buzz would come in to do the songs, he'd say, okay, this song's like this. We go, okay, great. And then we go, okay, let's use this. Let's use this drum kit. Let's, let's use this sound. And we did, you know what? The great thing, the, the great thing about the Melvins is we, we, we could do anything. We could do whatever the fuck we wanted to do. Uh, one song we did on the, on the next record was that we had buzz sing through actually 58, which went through 12 pedals and then the pedals went into an amp, and then we put a tube up to the speaker, and then we mic'd the end of the tube, and that was his vocal. <laughs> right. So, so what, what? What? Do you remember what song that was? That was a long time ago, and there's a lot of weed, weed to go to, right? Well, and their song titles aren't exactly uh, something that <laughs> sticks around. It's, you got to kind of pick through it, but yeah, I, I'll, yeah, I have the CD, yeah, so I got to go check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The great thing about about Buzz and and Dale because it's always the never who's going to be playing bass, right? But uh, 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 Dale getting drums, drum sounds was so easy. You just push up the microphones and kind of go, okay, I'm good, right? Because he, he is a great drummer. And of course, Buzz just knew how to play his guitar, right? Uh, um, I call them actually Slayer of Grunge, right? Because, because they haven't changed. They've always kept to the, their sound. Uh, the one song that we did on the on actually record three, uh, the label wanted Buzz to write like a single. And Buzz went, okay, so he wrote. Uh, <laughs> uh, the line was uh, the line, I think was uh, the line was uh, she slit the throat of a billy goat and watch it bleed, and that was the thing, yep. right? It's like it's just like you know, Buzz, you can do that. Yep. There's your single, right? So, so, so he was always true. He was always he was always true to form, right? He was always good. It does seem like uh, the record label had unrealistic expectations for what the Melvins were going to give them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the funny thing is, Danny Goldberg called me up on the phone and goes, "Garth, Buzz is a lyrical genius." I went, oh, "Okay, you, you know, great. You, you know, 
you know, head <laughs> to it, right? And then um, uh, when we sang the first line or the uh, the first song, he said, hey, Buzz, can you give me the uh, – can you give me the actual lyrics for it? I went, sure. And uh, he basically said, hit play. So uh, I hit play on the machine and then the song went through. He said, okay, again, please. And he did it again and then he gave me the lyrics. And I went and I read them and went, uh, Buzz, I really have to – I have to say this, but you know what? These make no sense. He says, "Yeah, I know." I said, "You know, you know that Danny Goldberg thinks you are a lyrical genius." He said, "It's great, right? <laughs> right? You know, you know. <laughs> they didn't make lyrical sense." So he actually sang because I've always kind of had this birding theory with the Melvins that like he he kept the melody, but he would actually just go up and whatever came to his head. So he had written out lyrics. He written written out lyrics like wow. Well, was it Tico Tofa Do Re Ma Fo? I think was one lyric, right? You know, you yeah. know, you know. He just he did it so that it sounded really good. Would he right. double any of his vocal tracks? Some, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. What, what was that like? <laughs> oh, well, great. I, I, because okay, because he knew exactly what he was doing, right? He was, you know, what uh, 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 between him and Dale. They were this team that they knew exactly what to do. Dale knew what to play. Buzz knew how to, you know, lead. And it was just mm-hmm. the, the what phenomenal, phenomenal grunge grunge band that has never sold sold out. Yeah, well, yeah, pretty much anything. But uh, <laughs> um, how would how would you describe Dale's drum style? Because it, it's definitely unique. He's kind of like a meat and potatoes guy, right? He just. He knows his parts. He plays it. Um, um, uh, he doesn't really play fast, but he just when he when he hits, uh, he's the only drummer that I've ever worked with that his extra ride, his, sorry, his small extra smallest crash was actually 20, 24 inches. Right, everything was <laughs> right. His extra floor tom was his rack tom, and then his floor tom was bigger than you know you know, his bass drum, right? Right. Yeah. He just, but, but he just played with confidence. He would, he would hit his skins in the center. So that at the drums, he spoke, he's, he, he's probably one of those underrated drummers because, because literally getting sounds, sounds from him was easy to do. Right. And you touched on the bass player thing that's kind of been a running theme with them, but word is Lorax yeah. is listed as a member of the band on the record, but uh, according to Buzz and Dale, she didn't play a single note on on the album. Do, do, you, do you can you confirm that or? I think I can. Uh, I'm not sure who played on the on the first record. Uh, they had someone else play on the second and the the actual third record, but it's like every time I'd see them live or uh, you know something else would come out. Like, you know, I go, oh, and they have a new bass player, right? So, so right. I'm not sure why, but, you know, that, uh, that happens, it's I guess. A little spinal tap joke there with the drummer, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a bass player, um, right? <laughs> well, for them it is. Uh, did you like their uh, cover of Going Blind by Kiss? Yes. Yep. Yeah, 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 yep. Not. Now that was supposed to be on that "Kiss My Ass" tribute, but they ended up getting pushed aside for uh, "Flavor of the Month" Dinosaur Junior. I always well, thought that was bullshit because the Melvins were actually fans, well, 
And Dinosaur Jr. Well, like he, I, he, had nothing good to say about him. The fact that they got Dinosaur Jr. to do it instead or put a song on the record instead kind of sucked. Right? Yeah, that's kind of bullshit. But you know, I mean, they they still stayed in contact. I know they they played some shows on the reunion tour with Kiss, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was lame. If this is supposed to be for the fans, here's a band that's an actual fan. You're pushing out of the way, but yeah. Anyway, I don't mean to take a shot at Dinosaur Junior. I don't like them that much, but you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is that I thought this was a better version anyway. Yep, true. But, um, well, you already kind of talked about uh, some of the stuff you've worked on. D- the, 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 are you familiar with the track Pearl Bomb? Because that was kind of an alarming thing to hear when you bought this CD, because it sounds like a CD skipping when it starts like... Was that the intent? Do you have any idea? Uh, which record was that on? <laughs> this is off of Houdini, yeah. I'm sorry. Look, I'm with you with their their stuff. I have to. I have the the benefit of listening to this record today, Garth. So it's the second to last track, but yeah, it literally starts out like, and I think it's actually a bass, a drum part. Right, right. You know what? I had to go back. Back and listen to it. it's been. When was the last time you listened to Houdini? You know what? It's probably been about twenty about twenty years. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you thinking about checking it out later today? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to. <laughs> I'm gonna have. You, 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 like you said, you worked on the next two records. Uh, was that? Um, why not anything beyond that? Uh, because they went. Uh, uh, you know what? I'm not sure. I'm not sure why, but you know what? I did three. And that's a really good feather to have, to have in my cap. Yeah. Like, right. You know what? Yeah. I love them both. You know both, because, again, it's like a bass player every week. But you, they're good guys, and <laughs> you know what? Absolutely phenomenal players. So. And that's kind of why I asked. You know, based on the way you're talking about him, it seems like he had a good rapport with them. Yeah. Do you do you stay in touch with either one of them still? Uh, I saw Dale. We had a party in actually Hollywood about three years ago. Is at the drummer's house from Tool. Yeah, I was thinking about uh, Joe. I was, I was actually over see and it's all Dale. We, you know, hey Dale, how's it going? You know, how are things? Great. You know, you know, always good. What's on your plate now? I mean, with everything shut down, how are you staying busy? I've been doing renos, and just literally, just actually, just putting in a new bathroom. I'm redoing my control room. And the good news is I'm going to be starting to talk with actually Devin Townsend about doing about doing his next record. But I've been sitting still since March. You know, it sucks. Hmm. You know, it's like I have a few little things that I was going to do. I was supposed to be doing a band in Australia about when COVID hit everything stopped. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Are are. Th- how are things in Canada? Is it opening up at all? You know what? Canada uh, Canada's opened up completely. Uh, okay. We, we you know, each province has their own medical doctor that that, that dictates the rules, rules against the stuff. And ours, uh, COVID, COVID first came here first. And then we've been, we've been doing absolutely fantastic, right? Uh, we haven't had any COVID up where, like, I live since April. So... I don't know if you heard. It's a complete shit show here in the United States. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? It's the best TV show ever. Uh, the actual Trump, uh, Trump, Trump show is is 
you know, the, at the end of season four is going to be phenomenal. You know, let's hope so. At least, well, it depends on what you're rooting for. But uh, what, you know, you you guys are you guys are, are, are going to have a civil war, I think, because <laughs> he's done everything. That last thing that he did on HBO TV show about you know about talking about John Lewis, I think it was, and and it's like you know, like dude. You really should just you you should just quit and just walk 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 away, because he's such a narcissist. He's such an egotistical narcissist, you know. So you guys have your hands full, but you know what? You guys out there, please please vote, please vote. You know. You know the worst thing for me, Garth, is that. I've always enjoyed uh, anytime I spoke with a Canadian uh, taking some cheap shots at Canada, and I haven't been able to do that for a, a couple years. Uh, uh, clearly, I'm the target. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you, know, you can't sing that song from uh, the TV show. Blame what's it? Blame Canada, right? You know, blame Canada, right? No, we're good, <laughs> right? But, uh, the scary thing is, I have lots of friends down there, and it's like I've yeah, of course. I've offered my door, you know, hey, guys, if you have to get out of the States, you want to, you want to come up here, you know, you, you want to have room because what a complete shit, shit show. But it's also people that think this is a hoax, right? It's not a hoax. My sister's a nurse. She left the States because she was through SARS. She was through Ebola. And then she said, you know what? I'm thinking I'm going to sit this one out because this one looks really bad. Wow, yeah, and you look up. Well, I didn't mean to drag it into that. I just uh, mainly just wanted to get you know. Well, it's also for the listeners a little bit too. I I appreciate your candidness on it, though, Garth. You couldn't have been a a more bigger pleasure to talk to. Um, If if it's all right, so maybe some down down the line, I'll reach out to you again. You've you've worked on so many records that a lot of times we'll get into this stuff. If it's okay, I'll I'll shoot you an email, and if you got time, I'll I'll take it. I'm game. I'm all game. All the best, and and I'll give uh, I'll give uh, Ron Keel. Uh, your love too. So uh, he told me to to, to yeah. let him know what you said. So yeah. love, love, love. He, hey, what was the last time you would have talked to him? That's got to been a long time, huh? I saw him when when he was a country guy. Hmm. Yeah. You know, he's doing kind of a southern rock thing now. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, he, yeah I think it fits him better than the '80s stuff, that. but it does. It does. Thank you very much for your time again. I'll be in touch. Please do. Peace. Bye, guys.
fantastic. I did see that you had the elder on your wall. <laughs> uh, are you a fan? Well, you know what? I actually played it. You actually played it for the first time and went, you know what? If no one, uh, no one told me that that, uh, that was Kiss, it's actually really good. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.